team. I told them in the locker room that even though that I was um, very sad that I wasn't done um, at all in terms of my confidence in what kind of team that this can become and my confidence in, in, in this team is not going to waver at all. And so I told them even though that I was sad about the outcome of this game, that the confidence that I have in these guys and in this team um, hasn't wavered a bit heading into the ACC tournament. That's Hubert Davis, head coach of North Carolina, talking about their loss to Duke at home on Saturday, 62-57, to possibly ending their chances at an NCAA tournament at large bid. It's Wesson Walker, 2 o'clock, Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ. And Jeff Goodman, he talked about Hubert Davis as well. After some comments that we've heard this year where Coach Davis, what was it, just a couple of weeks ago, said that there's a lot of season left. We were all kind of scratching our heads saying, well, there's not, Coach. Like, you you don't have a whole lot of time to make up some ground. You had that game against Virginia, and you had this game this past weekend against Duke, and we felt like they needed to run the table in said games, and they didn't after they lost by five points against the Blue Devils. And so now here's Jeff Goodman, a part of Stadium, I believe, talking about how this loss against Duke, it's on the head coach in Hubert Davis. This is on Hubert Davis. This is not on the players to have to coach Caleb Love. This is on Hubert Davis to honestly, if he's got to actually drop a a profanity, drop a profanity. Because you've got to figure out a way to do something different to light a fire under the asses of these guys. And it never happened. And, And honestly, Hubert needs to take more accountability for this. He does. Look, man, I'm not saying Hubert Davis is absolved because... You ultimately have to answer for a ton of different problems that North Carolina has suffered this season, right? Hubert Davis, there's certainly things that he's accountable for, 100%. I just kind of throw my hands up in the air, and when Jeff Goodman says, maybe you should drop a profanity, like, do we think curse words are going to be the elixir for this team? Like, I just kind of roll my eyes at that. I don't know what Hubert Davis is doing behind closed doors. I don't know if Hubert Davis is reaming this team out. Do we think Caleb Love hits a better percentage from three if Hubert Davis cusses him out? Do we think that happens if Armando Baycott or some of the other players, even with this conversation being flipped from the players coaching Caleb Love, a lot of people called on Armando to be a leader. He's tried to do it a couple times. Do we think Hubert Davis just reaming these players out, is that going to fix everything? Because to me, I look at Caleb Love's numbers, and you compare him to last year, Caleb Love last year actually was a decent three-point shooter. Shot 36% from beyond the arc. Solid. On six and a half attempts per game. This year, he's shooting 30% on more attempts. It was the two-point percentage. The guy couldn't finish at the rim. And this season, it's certainly a lot better. 46%. The numbers flipped. Last year, the dude couldn't hit anything inside the three-point arc. And so here's a player in Caleb Love who shot under 40% every single season he's played with North Carolina so far. And Jeff Goodman called out the whole coaching Caleb Love thing, that it's not the player's responsibility, but that it's Hubert Davis. Like, Leaky Black only hitting three field goals in this game, that doesn't really help you out either. We know the limits offensively for Leaky. We know Caleb Love, he's going to shoot that thing, and I don't know if Hubert Davis should just put him on the bench, but I saw Trimble, he didn't look ready for the moment in this in this game against Duke. Mm-hmm. What was their one? He was trying to size up a defender, and then he turns over the ball immediately. Like, he didn't look ready. What do you do? 
Like, this is what allowed you, by the way, to go on this run in the tournament was Caleb Love getting hot alongside of Brady Manic and everything else t- kind of took care of itself. Look, this is not me saying Hubert Davis is an actual good coach. I'm not trying to tell you that right now. I don't know, right? We have one very good year, and we have one really bad one, given expectations. But I just kind of throw my palms up in the air saying, wait, profanity? reaming these guys out is that going to fix everything it just feels way too simplistic for me to think that is what could have fixed this Tar Heel season yeah I mean when you look at this team as a whole their woes this season 30 percent shooting from three-point territory we just heard Nate come in and talk about how Carolina is a much better team when they're shooting the three ball well we talk about at times RJ Davis not being as aggressive as he could be uh we talk about this team not necessarily having the the dynamic scoring on the outside that they need. And Caleb Love, untimely shots. I thought against Duke, I thought he played decent as far as attacking the basket and trying to to get to the rack. And then he still took some shots that you can only classify as Caleb Love shots. He's going to take some off-balance threes. He's going to take some shots off of the dribble that you're not too thrilled with. But as far as I think he was handicapped by this roster, because when you look at their leading scores after you get past Pete Nance, there's Leaky Black at 7.4 points per game. After that, the next highest score is 4.2. And after that, you're talking to guys averaging two points and one point per game. I don't think this team has had depth all season. I think if he had had the depth, maybe he could have sent that message to Caleb Love by sitting him on the bench more and having a guy coming in, taking his minutes and being efficient with it and putting his job in jeopardy. That's how you get to a guy like Caleb Love to put the sobering thought in his mind that, hey, we don't need you. And if you're not going to play the right way, then this is going to happen to you. But they don't have that guy. And he he has kind of been handicapped by his roster, what he's had. Uh, this team has been a flaw. Ross, as I said with Armando Baycott, I love his heart. I love his game. But he is limited offensively to the point where this is not a guy that when the chips are down, like his game, he he's, he's good going to the rack, making those physical post moves where he's charging towards the basket and, and getting a shot. But as far as just him being highly skilled, where you throw him the ball and he can hit the 16-footer, he can take you off the dribble and, and hit a shot. He can take you off the dribble and hit a hook shot, a running hook, something like that. That isn't there to where when those chips are down that he can consistently get you buckets and get into that that 30-point range when need be. So I think this is just a team that offensively, not much of an identity and not much uh, as far as being dynamic to be able to help Hubert Davis out and help this Carolina program out. And quite frankly, I just want something smarter. It's the soundbite in particular that I kind of just roll my eyes at. I mean, I'm was not, my soundbite a little smarter? Than it, was, it was. It was 100% <laughs> smarter. Even with your creepy voice in the X-Files segment, yeah. <laughs> I would say that that all sounded a lot smarter. Yeah. And if you want to be mad at Hubert Davis, that's fine. But be mad at him for playing Pete Nance 24 minutes, Puff Johnson only 12, and still rolling with a guy all season long. That doesn't seem like he's ready for the moment in a million different cases. You know, be mad at them not being more creative with some offensive sets to feed Armando Baycott the basketball. Like, be mad about some of that stuff. Don't be mad about not reaming out the players in the locker room. And Caleb Love leaves them them in minutes, 35 a game. Yeah, and if you wanted to sit Caleb Love a little bit more, that's fine too. But I think that goes to your smart point (laughs) about the bench just not having enough backcourt depth. I mean, you tried to go with Trimble. There were about, what? 
there's like two games all season long where he looked pretty decent, and maybe you could try to keep climbing the ladder if you're Trimble. That dude played one minute and turned it over one time after he was not ready for the moment. Jalen Washington played one minute and fouled immediately. You can't go to anybody, right? Like, it was funny to hear some or see some people on Twitter say, hey, Hubert Davis played quite a bit of players. Well, part of that is being senior night. And then if you really look at the end of the game, it was Caleb Love, RJ Davis playing 34 or more. It was Baycott, Leaky Black, 31-40. Pete Nance playing 24. And those are your five. Puff Johnson played 12. Everybody else, seven, five, one, four. Styles threw up a couple, excuse me, Dunn threw up a couple three-point shots. Didn't hit any one of them. I mean, to me, you can blame Hubert Davis if you want to. I just want something a little smarter than the, hey, you got to hold these guys accountable. You got to bench Caleb Love. You got to make sure that um, you throw a whole bunch of profanity-laced speeches at them. Like, I just think this is a this is a flawed team. And, Fiddy, we'll go to you, man. I know you cover the team extensively. You can find it on the Four Corners podcast. And always down for the profanity-laced speeches. A hundred percent. You are down for that, too. What do you make of this particular soundbite as far as how culpable – Hubert Davis is for the way this season has went, uh, has gone, I should say, and overall what they can do to get better. I mean, he's not at fault, but I'm not in the business of firing him. I did that last right. year, and he took us to win a rebound away from winning a national championship. I think the thing that I've come to the conclusion with him is he knows internally he got the most out of this core last year. And as you mentioned, there's just nothing on the bench that you can look to and say, I know I'm going to get X, Y, and Z from this player. And a lot of his rotation is he he treats like in the NBA where it's matchup based and stuff like that. That has to be altered because you don't have NBA level talent coming off the bench. And so look, is is he is he short of being blamed for where they are? No. This is also the same core kids that yeah they almost won a national title. They also forced Roy Williams to retire. Like these these are the same kids that made Roy Williams say I can't do this anymore. Like bleep this, I'm getting out of here. That's the reality of the situation. Like, let him get his his guys in here so he can play the way he wants to play. And then if these are still the results, then I trust Bubba Cunningham to look him in the face and say, Hubert, thank you. This ain't working because we weren't afraid to fire Matt Doherty. They won't be afraid to Hubert Dave, to fire Hubert Davis for three years down the road. That's what needs to happen. Well, if they can't get this thing under control, they might be looking at each other outside of the Carolina offices holding uh, boxes with their belongings uh, in it. But when you look at what's coming right now, their 2023 recruiting class so far right now ranked number 29 uh, in the country. They've got a couple of four stars uh, coming in when you talk about Simeon Wilcher and Zayden High are both signed uh, letters of intent, and I'm sure depending on what happens uh, with the guys on that roster, they they will fill some other spots with some guys we don't know, transfers, et cetera. You look over there at Duke right now, 2023 class, number two in the country, five, five stars. So um, and who knows who will go and who will stay from that unit. But when you look at Carolina, they just definitely need to just kind of regroup this roster figure out who's going to go and who's going to stay, but they definitely need to add some talent, especially out there on the wings where they desperately need shooting if they want to be able to compete and get back to where Carolina basketball wants to be. Uh, Caleb Love's career, I've asked it a couple times as the season has gone on, but it is going to make you just have a complete headache when trying to figure out where he measures up in the Pantheon. Yes, I know he's not top four. We're not going to honor his jersey. Like We're having <laughs> that discussion about Armando, but anytime I would ask Fiddy, the biggest Tar Heel fan that I know, 
he'd say he ended Coach K's career. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm just trying to exemplify what would happen for a lot of Tar Heel fans where I would ask you the next day and say, oh, get him off. Like, I don't I don't want him on this roster. But that that's the roller coaster that we've all experienced with him. That dude is shooting 38%, and it's the best field goal percentage he's put up in three years. It's the best at 38%. Like, it's – and this is for a chucker. That it's not for somebody that is limited like Leakey is. We know what it is with Leakey. His three of sixteen performance, while awful and hurting this team, it's not for Caleb Love, who is supposed to come in right away as a high recruit and help you out. And it just hasn't happened yeah. in these three seasons. You know, the the thing with Love is, did I want him taking that shot at the end of the game? No. Like I wanted R. Like R. J. Davis has made tough shots all year long, mm-hmm. but. Also, like internally, when he when he when he took the shot, I thought he was going to make it because that's the that's the level of confidence he exudes. I have never seen a guy that for three years has shot the ball as bad as he shot the ball and is still confident to shoot the basketball. Like I almost commend him because in, in this era where guys don't they don't know how to handle adversity all that well, this guy shows up every time ready to knock down that wall, and it didn't happen, and it sucks. But I commend the kid for being willing to take the biggest shot of the season once again, like he did last year in the Duke game, and then he did in the final against Kansas with the three to try to tie the game before overtime. Let's go to rapid fire about some of these players possibly returning before we get to Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch, because we want more intel on C.J. Stroud. But I'm going to ask you the three players we're talking about. Do you want them back on this North Carolina roster? I know it's tough, Wes. Just put yourself in Tar Heel Blue oh, for, for sure. a, just a moment. But... <laughs> Caleb Love, do you want him off this roster next year, or do you want him back? Which one? I think he should be gone. I mean, he's shown at this point as long as he's been there, he still takes too many ill-advised shots. What do you think, Fiddy? Uh Terrence Oglesby told me that they should walk him out the door. <laughs> I love you. Thank you for ending Coach K's career, but it's time for you to go. Armando Baycott. Yes. Where's he going to go? I agree. What do you think? I think they should welcome him back. I don't know if he will come back. I think he right. probably will. All his comments about it. I think, yes, they should. Yeah, all of his comments. It's going to be tough for that guy to leave the program when he says he bleeds North Carolina blue and how much he cares about that. He's been so vocal about his love for the program. I think he would come back. I think North Carolina would absolutely have him back. R.J. Davis, for me, it's an easy yes. I I mean, I, I actually put a lot of his struggles towards what the the last third of the season. It seems like he's coming out of it a little bit the last five games or so, whatever arbitrary number you want to put on that. But I think the finger problems were, were bothering him. And hello, Hubert Davis can't go to Trimble, right? He can't go to any anybody on his bench. So Davis has to play through it. I'd welcome RJ Davis back. I'm not, maybe he wants to leave and go somewhere else, but I'd welcome RJ and Armando. What do you think? Wes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the last three games, he's shooting 50% from three. He's shooting a, a great percentage also from the two-point line, and he's been 16, 19, and 17. I think he's getting back in the swing of things. I've said all year long, when he's aggressive, Carolina's much better. He's the engine that makes this team go. He's the guy that makes my heart beat for this team. Yes, I want him back in 23-24. The problem is the car hadn't been very good. Do you want the engine in a car that's not great? That's the problem. But I, I'm with you, though. I'm just throwing the devil's advocate 
argument out there, the Blue Devils advocate argument out there for you. You are Dookie. Yeah, that's true. Filipowski. Oh, my lookalike balling. <laughs> Nobody could stop it's him. It's looking like a singler, though. Oh, 100,000%. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text the Garage Door Guru text line. Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State beat writer, Columbus Dispatch. He's going to help us evaluate C.J. Stroud after he watched him all of last season because you see him at a Panther uniform. We'll be back in just a moment. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, folks? We are back. You are back. We're glad you're back. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up. Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Hit those socials. Wesson Walker on Twitter, WFNZ on Twitter, WFNZ. Instagram, hit that follow button. It'll only take you about two seconds. All right. You just covered all the bases right there. That was really good. I appreciate that, man. I I thank you. I try my best, man. All right. So, listen, we talked about quarterbacks, combine this week. C.J. Stroud, the ball placement specialist for the Madden players out there, Walk. I don't know if you know, but Madden players have specific skills that can be triggered if they make big plays during the game. And so C.J. Stroud saying that, I think he would unlock that skill uh, in Madden being a ball placement specialist. Oh, he earned the icon this weekend. No doubt about <laughs> it. He absolutely got that tagline. So to talk more about C.J. Stroud, we have one Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch to talk about Stroud during his time there in Columbus and more. Bill, how's it going, my man? Good. How are you? We are doing great, man. Let's get right into it. C.J. Stroud goes and shows out at the Combine. So a lot is always made of Ohio State quarterback prospects. They they call them system guys or they don't work out. And the thing that I've said is that, to me, C.J. Stroud displayed the maturity that you did not get from a Dwayne Haskins. And he has the size and the arm talent that a Troy Smith uh, did not have when you talk about the last couple of highly touted prospects and then you talk to Terrell Price. What makes C.J. Stroud different from these other OSU guys and why uh, Panther fans and NFL fans should trust him? Well, uh, Ohio State, it should be pointed out, did have a guy named Justin Fields play for him. So, the, the, you know, the jury, I don't think, still out on him. I mean, obviously he's playing for a bad team with the Bears. They're so bad they have the number one pick. But, uh, you know, Justin Fields is obviously a talented guy. Um you know, I, I think Stroud kind of has Dwayne Haskins' arm, but I think he's got a lot more than Haskins did. And not just, I mean, you know, he doesn't run the ball a whole lot more than Haskins does, but more more effectively. Uh, he showed against Georgia that he could run the ball if necessary. Um, but he, he's, his passing, his arm is just, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how you describe it. It's not like he's got like a John Elway arm or just like a right ball. I mean, it's perfectly fine. It's, he's got a very good arm. But it's just he throws a soft ball, and I mean that as a compliment. He may, you know, that when he said was mostly ball, well, <laughs> forget ball placement specialist, mm-hmm. that was actually a pretty good term because 
receivers, even before he started a game at Ohio State in the spring of 2021, receivers would talk about how the ball just felt soft coming to him, coming to them from him. That he just had a knack for placing the ball in a place where they could catch it and catch it easily. I, that's that's kind of a gift. I, I'm not sure how you teach something like that. I think you either have it or you don't. So he's got touch. He's obviously got a strong enough arm to make the, you know any kind of throw. Remember there was a throw he made in 2021 where he, I think it was Jackson Smith and Jake, but deep over the middle, like over two guys and in front of a third, like 30 yards down the field. And I covered the NFL for 12 years, and I don't think I saw a better pass than that one. Just the fact that he had the confidence to throw it, for one thing, and then he just put it, he had been one yard off in any direction it could have been picked, but it was right on target. So, uh, you know, he's, he's talented that way. Uh, he's a good leader. He's a, he's a, you know, got some kind of, you know, charisma to him where players gravitate toward him. And so, you know, I think all NFL quarterbacks or all prospects going into the NFL are, are crapshoots. I mean, I just don't think you really know. And a lot of it doesn't have anything to do with the quarterback himself. It's the team he goes to. What kind of system do they have? Does he stay healthy? Do they, can they protect him? Does he have good receivers, the scheme? I mean, all those kind of things. But I think C.J. Stroud has a chance to be special. And then, Bill, talking about his comments, calling himself – the ball placement specialist, but then he also said that he felt that he was the best player in college football in the last two seasons. And if he had have won two games, talking about those Michigan games, he would have two Heisman's. And that was uh, a type of bravado I did not expect coming out of CJ Stroud. What did you make of those comments? And did you feel like he was correct in that assessment? Yeah, I think he probably was right. I mean, I think especially in 2021, he was the favorite going into that Michigan game. And I, I don't think that Ohio State lost those games because of C.J. Stroud. Uh, was he absolutely at his best in those games? Probably not. But if you were going to list five things, the five reasons Ohio State lost those games, he would not have been anywhere near the top of that list. I mean, the, the defense just fell apart uh, in different ways in those games. The, the offense, the running game faltered and um, you know, he didn't. They didn't lose because of C.J. Stroud. But I, I do think I mean, Caleb Williams would have been tough to beat last year. I think that would have been a very interesting uh, battle for the Heisman if C.J. Stroud had played really well against Michigan and, and Ohio State had won that game, and Caleb Williams did what he did. That have been that have been interesting to see. Uh, I do think in 21 that he would have he went into that game as the favorite, um, and then obviously Ohio State you know laid big. So um, I, I don't think he was wrong. Was I a little surprised he said it? I mean, maybe a little bit because he did not kind of make those kind of statements very much at Ohio State. You know, he's pretty guarded with what he said. Bill Rabinowitz joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline talking about a possible Panther quarterback in the future and C.J. Stroud playing, of course, at Ohio State. Of course, the games at the end of each of the last two regular seasons were masterful, Bill. I mean, you're talking about Utah, where he threw for 573 yards. That's a ridiculous total. And then, of course, you had the game against Georgia. Everybody is saying, go pay attention to that film, because that's against the best defense of all of college football. And he threw for nearly 350, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. If you were to advise people to go look at some other games, some other game film, what are some of the other matchups that you would say, okay, not just Georgia, not just Utah. Here's a couple of other game films that you should go check out because that shows just how good he can be in the NFL. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would think the Michigan State game for 21, that was before the Michigan game, and, and Michigan State came in. I don't think they were undefeated, but they might have had one loss, and they were, I think, a top-10 team. And Ohio State just lit them up. I mean, they made them look like Rutgers. I mean, it was it was a it was a show. I think it was something like forty nine seven and a half or something crazy like that. Um, and that's why people thought, oh, they're going to roll over Michigan because that was the next week, and we all know what happened. Mm-hmm. That's why it was so stunning because they were coming off this game where they looked like just a machine. So that was one from from twenty twenty one. I'm trying to think of of this past year. Um, Maybe the Penn State game, because they, in the fourth quarter, just kind of said, okay, we're done playing around with you guys. And some of it was JT Tuomolo, Allen defense, just had a game that was just unbelievable. But Stroud also, you know, was good in that game. You know, they, the thing about Ohio State, they, they just didn't play that many competitive games. So they all kind of blur together. They, you know, when it's 56-7 or whatever the score is, you just kind of, kind of forget about it. So, um, I would say the Michigan State game in 21 would be the one because they just they just lit them up. Well, and, and I know a lot of the other pieces of conversation are surrounding his lack of running ability, or at least in the total amount of yards, right? Only 108 right. yards this past season. A lot of that actually came against Northwestern. If you did want to go back and watch some game film against Northwestern, he did have 79 yards on six attempts. Is that the game to go back to as far as that? Are there other moments here, Bill? Just what kind of ceiling does C.J. Stroud have as a rushing quarterback on top of all of the ability he has? as a, a pure passer. Yeah, I would say for that Northwestern game, that game has no relevance to anything ever. That was played in, the, it was the windiest conditions I've ever witnessed a game. It was, you could not throw. I mean, it was like 40, 40 mile an hour winds consistently. Uh, just, it was, that's why he ran, because mm-hmm. nobody could throw. Um, I would, you know, it has to be the Georgia game, because that was the one game where we all knew that it was going to be hard for Ohio State or anyone, to just be able to have, to have C.J. Stroud sit in the pocket and not worry about a pass rush. Obviously, its protection last year was really good, but you knew that Georgia was going to test that, and they did. I mean, I think the offensive line held up pretty well overall. I mean, Ohio State's the only team that really gave Georgia a game last year. That was a, was a 50-50 game. It came down to a 50-yard field goal. And, and at the end of that game, Ohio State, if you, if you look at the skill position players they had other than Stroud, it was all backups and former walk-ons. Uh, everyone else was hurt. And so he, he led them down the field, got him in position to try to kick a game when he field goal, and the kicker missed it. So um, the fact that he, you know, was willing to scramble, was willing to, to just run, you know, get the first down. And he admitted at the combine, yeah, I should have run more. Um, but I think he trusts his arm so much and he trusted his receiver so much that he thought, why run it when I know I can throw it and they're going to get open? Um, sometimes that works, sometimes it didn't. But I think when he studied himself, he kind of realized, yeah, I probably should have run a little bit more. I mean, he's never going to be Justin Fields, and he shouldn't be. That's not who he is. But to be able to, to pick up X number of yards to get a first down, I mean, I think maybe a comparison would be Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, he, he's not a classic runner, but he certainly is willing to run to get the first down and move the chains. And, and so I think that's kind of what he was thinking about. Bill, CJ stepped in as a true freshman at Ohio State, and he got better week by week. So should that make teams feel more comfortable about him coming in and be a, 
expected to start and be a productive player week one in the NFL possibly? Well, actually, he, he did. Um, he was a backup to Justin Fields his first year, and that was the COVID year. So he, he you know, he he didn't even throw a pass that year. They, they only played seven games, eight games, and I think forget what what it was. And they just, you know, he wasn't even clearly the number two. They had another quarterback named Jack Miller, and they kind of alternated a few times. Justin Fields didn't play, so um, you know, it might have felt like he was a true freshman in twenty twenty one. He was actually a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, he has two years of experience. Uh, I think in a perfect world, NFL teams would love to have a quarterback with three years of experience, but it's very rare that the guys who have two good years stick around for the, for another year. So um, I, I think having a second year is, is infinitely better than having a, you know one successful year. I mean, we see like with Zach, Zach Wilson uh, with the Jets. You know, he had one good year, and, and you know, we, we now see that probably wasn't enough preparation. We can go through a lot of guys. I think that, that extra year, every year of experience you have, really, really helps because the NFL is a very different game than the college game. The holes are smaller. The windows to throw in are smaller. Everyone's faster. Um, and so that's why accuracy is so important. Decision-making is so important. And, and I think that's the strength of C.J. Stroud. Bill, tell us something about C.J. that we may not know that you were witness to uh, during your time covering this team under him being the quarterback. You talking about as a, as a player or is it just a guy? Anything. Anything that you would love to well, tell us that's an excellent story about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I did uh, you know what I hoped was, the, at least at the time, the definitive profile on him. And you know, I, you know, I talked to him before the season last year at and he was candid talking about his family background. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's fairly well-known at this point, but he had never really talked about it before. But his father, who had been a successful guy, he had been in trouble earlier in his life and got his life together. And they had a very nice, you know, upper-middle class, uh, house with a pool in, in uh, Rancho Camaga, California, maybe, I don't know, hour, two hours from L.A. And, you know, a really good life. And then his father... Um, life fell apart again and ended up being imprisoned and uh the family situation with his mom you know i mean she she had to get a bunch of jobs and, and their standard of living certainly wasn't great and uh but when the when tj was being recruited the family was living essentially in like a small i don't know it was a house or an apartment in a rental uh storage facility and tj was kind of embarrassed by it because you know i mean he once had this nice, comfortable home, and now he was, you know, it wasn't the same. But, but I think what he told me then was, you know, in a way I'm glad that that happened because now I, I understand kind of both sides of the street. And, you know, he can identify with players and with teammates who have had a great family life and those who didn't have their fathers around him. He had both. He can identify with people who were, who were well off and those who weren't because he's been both. Um, when he was growing up, he didn't have a quarterback coach because his mom couldn't afford it. He couldn't go to these camps. It, they were really fortunate that the, the community around him, friends and, and people like that, really chipped in to help him get what he could, uh, you know, cleats or equipment or whatever it might be. But, you know, it wasn't, he was not one of these guys who was coddled and had everything he needed growing up. He had to, it was a battle. He didn't start till his junior year of high school. And he thought he should have started as a freshman but, or sophomore, but they had a, a good quarterback and uh, it was older. And, uh, you know, he had to wait his turn. So 
all these things, I think, give him empathy. And, and I think that that matters. I mean, I think that he has become an effective leader in large part because of that. That is Bill Rabinowitz of the Columbus Dispatch. Follow him at B-R-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H. So what do you want to call that? Bird Dispatch? <laughs> B-R Dispatch. BR Dispatch. Follow him on Twitter right now. All the good CJ Stroud information that you want, Bill. We appreciate your time, my man. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks. You heard it there. A lot to chew on there. I'm sure we're going to get to some of those comments and a lot of good stuff about CJ Stroud. When we return, we'll shut this thing down. It's the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thanks to Bill Rabinowitz joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. That's something we're going to be doing this week. We're going to be bringing in some beat writers to discuss the potential QBs that could suit up for the Carolina Panthers. Just took care of C.J. Stroud earlier. We're also going to make sure we get an evaluation on Will Levis, on Bryce Young. We're going to go after a beat writer for Bryce Young. And then tomorrow, I believe we have somebody speaking about Anthony Richardson. So you're going to have to tune in tomorrow, 12 to 3, every single weekday right here with Wes and Walker. Real quickly, wanted to give a shout out to Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer. It's now in season. And the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every single home match. So stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends, and you can join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by, yes, Jack Daniels, but also Pepsi. And they're powered by the Garage Door Guru text line. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Speaking of Charlotte FC, somebody took a picture, pretty professionally done picture, in a Charlotte FC uniform. I don't know if you've seen Willie P out there on social media. Is it his new profile picture, though? Because I'm looking at this picture that you put into the group chat, Fitty, mm. and it's Willie P giving me like a little, yeah, you know I'm hot type of stare. Like, yeah, you know I'm sexy. And he's palming the soccer ball close to the camera like a basketball card might with an NBA player that got drafted that night. That's what it looks like for one Willie P. I'll be honest with you guys. No cap, as the kids might say. I think the photo looks pretty good. Big shout to you, Willie <laughs> yeah, P. I thought it was dope, too. Now, they're professionally done. Yeah. But they were dealing with a professional model during this photo as well. <laughs> what do you think about the photos here, Fiddy? I know that you wanted to talk about it a little bit. Oh, uh... That that man has a lot of bravado to to put some <laughs> put some of these images he takes or has or has professionally done taken of him on social media. The best part about it was someone like quote tweeted the tweet saying that they can't watch to wait his to, to, they can't wait to watch his teammates actively help Charlotte FC lose games. Mm-hmm. They think Willie's a player. It's like now the way he calls the game, he calls the game from a Charlotte FC perspective. 
I don't think my guy could kick boots, though, on the MLS pitch. (laughs) He looks like it, though. That photo looks like he is a part of the roster. Now, this was not team done, correct? Like, he's got these professionally done, and they look fantastic. But the thing is, those photos should absolutely be adopted by the website and our website also. Yeah, uh, he said that they weren't done by the club. But I can only imagine a professional photographer looking at this man showing up for a photo shoot wearing a soccer kit. Mm -hmm. You say he looks like a member of the team, though. When I come in in my Mets stuff and I've got the stirrups, I've got the shorts, the jersey, and even the hat. (laughs) Do I look like a guy that could go out there and bat, you know, 285 and 162 game slate for the Amazons? I don't think so. I'm Mm. sorry. Maybe, maybe a second baseman that played six years ago and just started to eat Snickers bars and drink Mountain Dew, like maybe six years removed from your (laughs) second base career, because at that height, you're probably playing second base. That's what we're probably thinking. Dude, I just had a big old bag of a box of Bojangles. Mm -hmm. This combine performance, legendary. The one that you're about to put up is what you said. When I run you in the 40, I don't want to hear it. Are you going now? So you're about to do the combine performance. Are you going to go out there? Because, look, man, I don't want to do it either, but we're about to do this video for everybody, and we're about to look like a fool. And also, are you about to throw up your chicken supreme (laughs) combo? Because I don't want you you out here puking all over the field. We can't have you doing that. These nice people at Harding High School are giving us the field to use. You can't just... You can't just go out there and throw up on it. Going hard at the Harding High School. Mm -hmm, That's right. That's exactly what we're doing. All right, let's go to what's on tap. Uh, What's on tap does not have a whole lot of games, but of course, college basketball, you do have a double header out on the West Coast tonight on ESPN. You do have St. Mary's hosting BYU as the home team, I should say. And Gonzaga playing San Francisco. Are you going to be watching these college basketball games, Fitty? Oh, yes. It is March. It should be a requirement. Even at eleven thirty, by yes, the way. Yes, I will be. Okay. Yes, I will be up watching these two games. Y'all should go check out the bracket though, and see how the West Coast Conference seeded their field. Like six different teams got to buy, and then they like <laughs> it was like a process of elimination, and then you started playing games like really weird format. But I've seen it get a lot of uh, great uh, rave reviews for how smaller conferences mm-hmm. should uh, seed their tournaments moving forward. All right, so we're going to expect a big old rundown of San Francisco, Gonzaga, and BYU, St. Mary's. Do we have a rundown for you from any Carolina Hurricanes game tonight, Wes? Yeah, man, they do not play tonight. They <laughs> played yesterday. They beat the brakes off of the Tampa Bay Lightning that have been a thorn in the Hurricanes' side. If I'm not mistaken, put the Panthers out each of the last two seasons in the playoffs. Six nothing. They are tied for the NHL lead in shutouts with the Islanders. And that's so the probably the are that's not my team. playing any game. That's probably the best piece of analysis I've heard from Black Ice, the Wasaya, Wes Gretzky, whatever yeah, you man. want to call him. That's probably the best now. Can I get another piece of analysis on the XFL? Because you told us that you actually watched <laughs> a little bit of that this weekend. I did, man. You know, it's just something I, I have multiple. Well, I have two TVs out in the front room most time on Sundays because it's just so much stuff on. And so, you know, I'm putting the TV on the games. I want to see one of my old favorite players from back in the day, Terrell Buckley, coaches the Orlando team, you know, so it's interesting to watch him. <laughs> Heinz Ward coaches the Brahmas. But uh, just watching the games, man, I mean, it's it's decent football. You're it, sitting here laughing at him right now. It, it, no, it, it's passable because I, I know how you guys feel about it. But, I mean, it's, it's passable football. I'm just interested in the product. <laughs> I just want to see because I feel like leagues like this, they get better 
over time because the players, they start to get the chemistry on offense. And so the games get a little bit more high scoring. And I'm always looking for, uh, you know, old college uh, guys who used to be popping and now they're there in the league. So there you go. AJ McCarron's doing this thing, though. It's better than I thought, to be honest with you. Yeah. Your XFL. AJ McCarron has been ball. I think he had another comeback win. I think. I just saw that they went for a fourth and 15 to retain possession and there was a sack. But that does add an interesting <laughs> element. A fourth and 15 to keep possession is interesting. NASCAR Brad wrote in the Garage Door Guru text line. He said, hey, Walker, UNC Wilmington and Furman are also in action tonight. So if you want to catch the Seahawks in action, feel free to do that as well. And I, I do want to go to some other text messages. Casey Steve gave us a gem. All he did was send in a photo of one Bartolo Colon <laughs> at bat in a Mets uniform. And I believe it's the swing that got him a home run. To the left side, is that not the swing? No, it was a road game against the Padres. Is when he got the home run? Yes. Did he do that at Petco Park? He did that at Petco Park. Oh, that makes Gary it so Cohen, much better. I forgot about that. Gary Cohen lost his absolute mind. Uh, as he should. Called it one of the greatest moments in regular season baseball history. I, I hear zero lies. I completely <laughs> agree. And the photo, of course, he's calling you Bartolo Colon I'll in a Mets it, uniform. Big sexy he had a he had a secret family. I just want a family, let alone having a secret family. Is that a correct story? I don't. Why did I not know that? Oh, yeah. Just Google it. Yeah. He had a secret family. <laughs> oh, I know what I'm doing after the show. <laughs> of course, right before we get to the combine. Cackalack said, if you do puke, Fitty, make sure you puke and rally. So make sure you do that. Beef Supreme said, Fitty, when he wears the Mets jersey, he looks like a ball boy for the Mets minor league team. That's what he said you look like. I gave you second baseman six years removed from your playing career. Thank you. That's better than a minor league bat boy. Um, so there you go. That'll do for some of the text. Let's go real quickly to what happened on this day in sports history. What you got for us, Fitty? Just one fact for you guys today, but it's an important one. On this day in 1954, in the first ever ACC men's basketball tournament, NC State beat Wake Forest 82 to 80. That game took place in Reynolds Coliseum. Of course, the tournament back where it should be in Greensboro Coliseum, getting underway tomorrow at high noon. You needed something to come back at West after North Carolina lost, and you went back 70 years to find a loss <laughs> in the ACC tournament for Wake Forest after that loss to NC State in overtime in 1954. So now Wake Forest, that is the that is the team featured in the uh, on this day in sports history. By the way, I just finished the ACC tournament doc. I think Wes has gone through it. If you love ACC basketball, it's 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 worth ten hours of your time. All right, I'll give it that. It so, is. It's fine. So Bartolo Cologne highlights and also reading up on the second family and then the ACC doc. You have something real oh, quick. Oh, and Creed three for those out there who haven't seen it. It is straight. Fire! You need to go see it immediately. I'm really contemplating if this is better than the Rockies. Don't at me oh. or do at me. Uh, all right, that it's is fire, bro. That it's is a fire. hell of a tease. We'll talk about it tomorrow on Weston Walker. Kyle Bailey <laughs> up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.